You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to Psalm 113, Psalm 113. Um, We just have four verses to read. And I thought it'd be cool if we read them together, like in unison, like as a community, as the Mill Sunday Schoolers. So um, would you like to read along with me? Anybody? Yes, a couple of you would. Sweet. So let's read along. Let's read it in unison. You could look up here so we're all on the same version of, of the text. But so we're going to read Psalm 113, 4 through 6. And, and look and see as we read if you could see God's bigness and his nearness at the same time. So let's read it together, shall we? It says, The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? Let's pray this morning. God, we do praise your name, your holy name, for being awesome and great and huge and mighty and wonderful. And God, we also praise your name that you are near and close and, and so imminent, and you're in this room and inside of us, and we can uh, know your presence, we can talk to you, we could right now as we talk to you. So God, we thank you for this nearness and bigness of, of your nature. We praise your holy name. We worship you, Jesus. And everybody screamed, Amen. Amen. So hey, well, I want to tell you a story. It's a story about me when I was in high school. And um, when I was in high school, I lived in Germany, of all places, because my dad was in the Air Force and we were stationed in Germany as a family. And so it was really cool that like towards my junior and senior year, I had a group of friends that were really into traveling, kind of like myself. I was into like seeing the sights and doing the things. And my parents just let me like get on the Euro rail and like go visit cities. And they're like, make sure you're back by... Sunday. <laughs> and it was just really cool. I mean, we had a plan and we'd tell them the train schedule. They'd make sure everything was pretty legit at least. And, and we just got to travel. It was so cool. So me and a couple friends one time, um, I think one of our very first trips is we went not too far away. I mean, everything is close when you are in Europe already. It's like going to Denver is like going to Paris. It's like really sweet. So anyways, got on the train and went to the city to see this building. Does anyone recognize this building? It's in the city of, somebody said it. No, it's not Notre Dame. Close. It's, yeah, it's Cologne. I heard it. It's Cologne, the, the Cathedral of Cologne. It, it does look like Notre Dame because it's in the Gothic style, but this actually is larger. This is the largest Gothic style church in the world. Uh, I think second highest spires of any church in the world. The biggest facade, that's like the facing thing that you see here. And I remember going to this building um, as, as a high schooler and sitting there and looking at it. And here's another angle, a painting of this building actually. And um, it's the most visited tourist site in all of Germany in Cologne. And I remember sitting there with my friends because we had, we had, you know, our whole day was about like looking at this building and getting lunch and coming back on the train. It was pretty sweet. And so I remember sitting and eating lunch and talking about the building. And we were all kind of, um, kind of I, I guess we were like pseudo-intellectuals. I guess as pseudo-intellectuals you can be in high school. But we were sitting around talking about the building, the architecture, what we thought the artist's intentions were when they made this building. And by the way, this building took 600 years to make. Turn to your neighbor and say, six what? <laughs> 600, can you imagine like some buildings like you're like, man, there's six months, they're taking forever. What are they doing? Or like six years would be like, come on already, just 
finish the building. But 600 years of like uh, various additions onto the buildings. And, and so just think about that for how long, uh, how many lifetimes that is. That's pretty sweet. Anyways, um, <clears throat> and it's a pretty awesome building. So we're sitting around looking at this building, eating lunch, uh, talking about it, and talking about... Um, we were a group of Christians, so we were talking about how the building points upwards. You could see the two spires, and we're like, how that points upwards, and you look up at it. If you're like down below where those people are, they look like little ants, and you look up, you like have to step back, and you're like, wow, it just keeps going. And so it represents, to us, we were just talking about how it represents the awesomeness of God, how huge he is, how big he is, how how overarching um, God is, and how huge he is. And then as we, we got closer to the building, you look at the building, you see the insane amount of details um, that were put into this building. You look at like a little corner has like these saints and you look at like what they're holding and on what they're holding has details. Or you look at like the door and, and you see like, gosh, it's like a lion head. And then like you look on the side of it and there's like flower designs and it's just like everything is just like bursting with all these details. And we thought, well, that, that has to represent this idea that God is close, that God is near to us, that God is actually coming forth in his creation through like the representation of a lion. God is coming out and, and we experience him through his awesomeness and his bigness, but also through the details of, of his creation and how we could experience him in life. So these two ideas that God is big and that God is near is, is what we thought about as, as we looked at this uh, cathedral in Cologne. Which if you, if you research it in the history and you research the architecture, that's exactly what the, the uh, architecturist, what's it called? Architect, architect was going for, this bigness of God and yet God coming forth in the details. And so, um, so I just thought that's how we're going to begin today with these two big ideas. A, God is big and B, God is near. So that's what we're talking about today here in the Mill Sunday School. So welcome to the Mill Sunday School. The Mill Sunday School is kind of a gathering of nerds, and I mean that in the best way possible. Um, people that like to go a little bit further to dig into uh, things like theology. And so, um, so if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, we do meet on Friday nights. That's our main meeting. We have worship, uh, sermon, um, and, and it's, it's like more of our service. But the Sunday School is kind of like a group out of that. So um, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, you can fill out one of these cards they um, just have basic information that you could fill out as much or as little of it as you want and then give it to the nice people as you leave and uh, they'll give you a CD. It's got a worship song from Friday night and it's, it's got a welcome explaining uh, things like small groups and dinner groups and the Sunday school, which you're in right now. So anyways, that's that if you're new. And finally, next weekend, anybody going to this, the Millflower Retreat? Yes, me too. Woohoo. Um, so the Millflower Tree, it's our event of the year. It is next weekend. So will there be Sunday school? No, not here at least. I'm going to be speaking up at the Flower Tree on Sunday morning. So that'll be like our makeshift Sunday school. But I'll be talking not on the, the, or the outline of what we're talking about. I'll be talking about communion. So that'll be cool. So if you want to come to Sunday school, you have to come to Fall Retreat. There'll be no mill on Friday night. You'll have to come to Fall Retreat, and you should come. Um, I know that uh, the cost is always something that um, takes people back, but um, if, you, if you're interested as, as you leave, I think Courtney's going to be out there to uh, talk to us and, and register us. And so if, you're, if, you, if money is an issue, we don't have very much money to just hand out to you, but people were 
people from the church were generous and they gave us money. So if money is the only reason why you can't come, well, then you could, we could help you out partially with that. It is $155. And we would love for you to come. If this is the first time you're hearing about it, ask more questions. You should come. It's, it's especially, I always think that some people are like, I don't know anybody. I, I'm not going to go because I don't know anybody. That's like the, the worst case. That's like the opposite of what you should be thinking. If you don't know anybody, come to Fall Retreat. You will know a whole bunch of people by the time you leave with all the the bus ride up and the silly games and the sermons and worship and eating together. And so um, Fall Retreat next weekend, no Mill Sunday School, will be at Fall Retreat. Cool? Cool. All right. So if you look at your tables, there's like this little bookmark thing, and it outlines what we've been talking about and what we're going to talk about. September through May, we're doing systematic theology, and you could go back and podcast on our website to kind of get more of details about this. But this is October, the last Sunday in October, uh, because next week we won't meet because of fall retreat. So we're concluding our study of theology proper, meaning the study of God. Yes. And so God, we're studying his, his nature, the doctrine of theology. We, talked, uh, we first start, talked about the Trinity. Then uh, we talked about the attributes of God. And the attributes of God are the things God is. Do you remember this from last week? Remember if you, if you were here last week? Three of you? Okay, sweet. Okay, I'm seeing more hands now that you're waking up and holding them. Great. Um, so we talked about two main things, God's greatness and his goodness. And we say that a lot. We say that God is great. God is good. Let's thank him for this food. Um, But we don't, I don't know, sometimes I just say it without thinking about it, how great God is. And we listed these four things last week. We said he's infinite. He's constant. He remains the same. He's spirit. He's life. And under God's goodness, his moral attributes, we said he's totally righteous. He's holy. He's just. God is love in his nature. And so we talked about this last week. If you weren't here, you could surely podcast it and re-listen to the lecture or listen to it for the first time. And, and so today, we're going to talk about God's bigness and his nearness. Specifically, we're going to put these two things under his greatness, under um, these attributes of his uh, natural attributes. And so we're going to put it right here. And the, the big words are transcendence and eminence. Can we say those two words? Let's say transcendence. Transcendence. And imminence, imminence. <laughs> so you're just like looking at me like, give me some more coffee. That, that's all cool. Hopefully you'll wake up by the end of it. So that's, let's carry on. So let's define these two things. Let's first talk about transcendence. Transcendence, uh, by definition, is this. A state of being above and beyond the limits of physical existence. And we mean that about our God. We, we would say that he is big. He is awesome. He's um, totally other. He is infinite. He is uh, the omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. He's totally other. He's outside of, you know, if you're into... Um, the, the like space-time, physics, quantum mechanics kind of stuff. He's outside of space. He's outside of time. And to even begin to think about that is pretty insane. But that's what we would say about God. He's, he's, he's totally other. He is not in being limited by physical existence. 
So, I have a discussion question for you. To, and if you're sitting at a small table, you could, you could join a bigger table, because bigger is better in this case. Um, and so, um, hopefully it's an easy discussion question, but, and, and so hopefully you could dive into it, because the question is quite simply, um, how big is God? You're like, he's pretty big. And you could end it right there. But then try to talk a little bit more. Say, like, is, do you have any helpful analogies for thinking about something that is, that is really uncomprehendable? I mean, we can't comprehend how big, how transcendent God is. But maybe there's some analogies. I know I could think of one, and I'll share, you the one, share with you the one I have in just a second. But communicate with your friends. Make sure you know their names. And then talk about how big God is. Ready, cassette, go. All right. Uh, I have a microphone here, and I'll come out. <clears throat> I, w- I have an, an analogy to give you, but did you at your table have any thoughts? Okay, two. I'll, I'll go with Josh Van Ettinger first. You guys noticed Josh is back? He was in Cali for like six months, and now he's back. So if you know Josh, you got, you got fans here, Josh. Cool. Cheers. <laughs> All right, so this cup in relation to the entire universe. This cup is the universe. The rest of the universe is God. Boom. I like it. Not just good, good enough. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. It's like, good enough. Dan Porter. Well, some people are embarrassed at your group for what you're going to say. Because I said Jesus was black. It was a joke, though. It was a joke. Well, he was definitely darker skinned than me, so I give you props. Um, we said God was like time, because time is everywhere. It stretches through all of yeah. existence, even though I guess God is out of that. So I just disproved my own thing. But it sounded good at the time. So God is like time. He's everywhere. But then he's even outside of that. Yep. So it's, that's pretty awesome. Pretty big. Any, anybody else? No? Okay, here's, here's my analogy. You have one, Did, Jill? You want, you want to share? Okay, I'll, I'll run the mic to you. I'd love to have a third one. Go ahead. I was just saying that, like, even when God reveals, like, even one of his attributes, like, say he reveals a part of his love, like, yeah. you still don't know. Um, you're not any closer to knowing the fullness of God's love because his yeah. love is intimate or infinite. And so right. it keeps going. So. Yeah. So if, if we could describe love and we're like, yeah, God is love. And we're like, yeah, high five each other. We totally get it. It's like, no, we don't. He's, it's infinitely more deep than, than what we can even grasp. And so my analogy was just of, to talk about the universe. Like Josh Van Eninger said, the universe is like this cup and then God would be everything outside of the cup. He's so much bigger than that. And so I had just a thought of um, how big the, the universe is, starting with our own solar system. And if you put a soccer ball, let's say like you walk out these doors and you keep going, you're going to run into a soccer field. If, if you go across the parking lot, the TCA soccer field. If you put a soccer ball on the end zone um, of, the, of the soccer field, and you are like, okay, the, this soccer ball represents the sun, you would walk 27 yards to the 27-yard line and put a little peppercorn out on the field, bink, and that would represent Earth. You're like, whoa. Everybody say, whoa. Yeah, so it's like our Earth, like how small we are in comparison to the sun and space. And then you're like, okay, well, where is the next sun away? Because you know that stars are actually suns. Did you know that? It like, just blew your mind for some of you. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, so the nearest star 
is uh, Proxemia Centuri. I probably just pronounced that wrong. But it is very far away. How far is it away? Um, and that's, by the way, the closest star. So if you, when you look outside, if you go camping and there's no light pollution and the, everything is dark and you look outside and there's no um, moon or clouds to get in the way of the light pollution, you just see how many stars there are. And you're like, dang, this is stupid. There's so many stars. It's stupid. <laughs> Um, but the very closest one, okay, so if we had another soccer ball representing it, we would walk um, uh, across the TCA field going west, and we would keep walking outside of Colorado Springs. We'd walk outside of the state of Colorado. We'd keep walking to California, and then we'd keep swimming until um, we got to about Hawaii, and then we'd keep going, and we'd be closer to China than we were to the United States, and we'd drop that soccer ball in the middle of the ocean, and that's where the next nearest star is um, besides our sun, which is a star. And I just thought, okay, that's pretty big. That's like stupid big. And and for God to have created that, it just gives me this, this sense of like, okay, I can kind of comprehend a soccer ball on a field and a soccer ball out in the ocean. But then it's like, well, that's just the first closest star. What about the other stars and, and how big our God, our creator must be um, for, for him to exist and create all that? Um, I'm just in awe sometimes. And so that's, that's kind of my analogy of the universe to kind of help us with how, big, how much bigger God must be. And so um, here we are back to the definitions. Transcendence, a state of being above and beyond the limits of physical existence. And then eminence is the next word here. And it is a state of being within the limits of physical existence. And by that, we would say that God has, in a way, limited himself. And here we are in this tiny little peppercorn, going back to the analogy. And God has come to us, this tiny little peppercorn of a planet compared to the sun and the the spacing, as I just mentioned. And here he is, listening to us, listening to our prayers, hearing us, entering into our time, in a way. Of course, he is still transcendent. He is still outside of time. But he's inside of our time, uh, guiding, protecting, preserving us and, and the creation that he has made and how awesome that is that he, he's here, that he, on this tiny little peppercorn of a planet, he has come here and he loves his creation. He created us and there's this love and it's both at the same time. It's both the transcendence, he's big, he made it all. And it's both this eminence at the same time that he's here, he's with us, he's, he's omnipresent and he's, he's watching and, and loving us. And so to quickly define these two things, because I'm going to start using them as if you know them now, um, transcendence uh, and eminence, we could just quickly say, if you were to describe transcendence, we'd say God is above his creation. And we mean that um, kind of figuratively, he's not literally like straight up because um, he's above, he's, he's nowhere, he's everywhere at the same time. And so uh, he's transcendent, he's above us, he's imminent, he's with us. And so there we have it. So on a continuum, Let's say there's two points on a continuum, and they're both kind of opposites, because transcendence and eminence are kind of opposites, if you think about it for just a second. And whenever you have opposites, you always want to find the middle ground, don't you? Like if you have two friends arguing and screaming about something, what do you want to do? You want to come to them and say, hey, you need to compromise, you need to compromise, and find the middle, find the middle ground. And so that's what we want to do, but, but that wouldn't fully embrace you know, the, the full idea of transcendence, and it wouldn't fully embrace the idea of eminence if we just said, yeah, let's find the middle ground. And so here we have these two ideas, transcendence and eminence, these, these 
really polar opposites, that God is outside of existence and then he's inside of existence. Well, how does that work? Well, he's fully both at the same time. And that's what we would say. And that's, that idea is just huge, that we fully embrace God's bigness and his aboveness and he's outside of existence and space and time. Um, and then he's within space and time and within our existence at the same time. How can it be? Well, it is mysterious, but there's plenty of Bible verses that would say how awesome and great God is and how beyond this world he is. I think that the verse we read today to begin with all in unison, that he's above, he's high, but yet he looks down upon the heavens and the earth. So it's like this idea of him being above and beyond and yet him being with us at the same time. And so this, this might be helpful for you, is if we exaggerate one over the other. And every one of us sitting in this room, probably when we think about God and have thoughts about him and who he is, we probably would either lean more towards eminence or more towards transcendence, depending on who you are, how you were raised, what sermons you've heard, maybe what uh, other churches you've been to, maybe... Um, I don't know, just life experiences. And so let's exaggerate one over the other to kind of talk about the imbalance. And so uh, one over the other, um, let's just say, for instance, let's take transcendence first. And so we have a transcendent God without any eminence. And so many of you maybe in this room lean more towards transcendence, that God is awesome, that he is big, that he's outside space-time, that he's huge, that he's uh, uh, kind of above all. And so if, if you exaggerate this and you cross out eminence and you say God is only transcendent and not eminent, well, then you would lean towards this, I guess it would be a heresy. You would lean towards this heresy or this just misunderstanding of the God of the Bible and you would be a deist. Do you know what a deist is? A deist is someone who believes in just kind of what I've been describing, that God is big and awesome and huge, but he's not with us. And so the analogy that's kind of given is usually of a clock. And I had a clock like this. I, I don't have my clock anymore, but when I was a kid, my parents were throwing out an old alarm clock. I wish I had it. It'd be pretty sweet. So this is a picture of one kind of like it. And you wind it up. On the back are these little uh, windy wind things. And you wind up the time, and then you wind up the bell, and then you set the alarm. And then in the morning, after it's like done tick, tick, all night, it's kind of loud. Um, the, the physical mechanical bell actually goes off, which is pretty sweet. Wouldn't it be sweet to be woken up by one of these? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have a snooze button, by the way. It's a one-time thing. So um, anyways, um, I thought it'd be sweet. It just looks kind of sweet. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. So anyways, the analogy, going back to what a deist is, is that God made the clock and then wound it up and then wound up the bell, wound up other components uh, of the universe, and then set the alarm clock down. Um, and then God's like, okay, I made it. It's all wound up. It's, it's going. And so I got other things to do. I'm going to be back here. I, I, there's a Coke back here. I got a burger back here. I'll just be chilling. And so there's the clock there. Just kind of the, the world, the universe has been left to its own to, to, to do whatever it does. And that's kind of the, the analogy, at least, of a deist, that, that a god started everything, but then kind of is somewhere else. He's pieced out, and he's not imminent. He's not with us. And just as a side note, um, many of our founding fathers were openly deists. 
And so we often say, oh, they were Christians. They believed in the Bible. It's like, yeah, they did, but they leaned towards deism maybe so much. And some of them, not all of them, um, namely the pretty open deists were George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, uh, Ethan Allen, Thomas Jefferson, pretty openly deists. And, and we'd say, yeah, they were Christians. Well, kind of, but in the same sense that a, a Christian would just say, yeah, God created everything, but then he doesn't listen to our prayers. He doesn't do anything. He's not with us. He's not imminent be like, is that really a Christian? Well, maybe a sort of pseudo-Christian. But anyways, um, another example, Thomas Jefferson wrote uh, the Jefferson Bible. You can come up and look at this later if you're interested. Um, I'll leave it up here. But basically, he goes through the New Testament. And because he was a deist, he believed that God started everything, but then wasn't involved in his creation. And kind of God kind of pieced out. And so Thomas Jefferson goes through the New Testament, actually just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and rewrites it. He kind of takes all four, makes them one, and here it is. You, you can see the pages up here. And he takes out every instance where God would do something miraculous because he believed that God wasn't here and present on earth. So he took out any miracle that Jesus did. He took out anything where Jesus said he was God. Um, the, the story ends, I think it's kind of funny. It's not funny, haha, but funny, weird. Um, Here's how the Gospels end, according to Thomas Jefferson's Bible. Um, They took Jesus, they buried him, and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Wait, what? Like, where's the resurrection? Where's the fishes, uh, like the the eats with the disciples? Where's Thomas touching him? No, it just ends with, they, they buried Jesus and rolled a stone across the tomb. So wait, wait, that's, that's a pretty huge part to leave out of the story. But for him, as a deist, he thought that God was not living and active and present in his creation and therefore would, would never come to earth and be powerful enough to um, raise someone from the dead. So that's, that's the, the ideas, pretty extreme ideas of a deist. So here we are back at this um, continuum of transcendence and eminence, and we'd say he's fully, fully both totally transcendent, totally eminent at the same exact time. And so what if we did the other side? What if we said, well, God isn't transcendent. He's not big and uh, above us, but he's right here with us. And so if we exaggerate eminence and say, oh, God isn't really uh, big and above all. He's not really in control, but he's our friend. He's our boyfriend, maybe. Like if you've ever heard someone talk about, yeah, Jesus is my boyfriend. Oh, really? That's kind of weird because he's... In lots of ways, but the, the more than the theological way is that he's transcendent. He's totally above you. He's not just your boyfriend. Um, you can't just date him. That's weird anyways. So moving right along. The theological principle behind an exaggeration of eminence without any transcendence is something called animism. We could also call it pantheism. I'll explain the difference in just a second. But it's basically this idea that's actually pretty popular. Maybe you haven't thought about it being popular, but people like to talk about <clears throat> God. Like, let's just say you uh, leave here and you go to the Walmart or wherever it is you go, and you talk to people and you're like, hey, what do you believe about God? And th- th- they might say things like, oh, I like to believe in a God that's loving. I like to believe in a God that helps me. I like to believe in a God that um, <clears throat> is right here and that I could talk to. Or I like to believe in a God that's my friend. Um, you would hear some of those things. Maybe it's just me. I live in um, Manitou Springs, and so there's lots of like mysticism and animism. And people talk about, oh, this, the spirits of 
the earth. Oh, Pikes Peak, the spirit of Mother Earth in Pikes Peak, or the spirit of Mother Earth in the trees, or the wind, or the sun. And it's all these spirits, like the spirits, like the gods or God is so imminent that there's no one God above and beyond anything, that, but, but yet there's spirits of the created things. <coughs> Excuse me, here's two movies that would represent animism or pantheism. Uh, Avatar and Pocahontas. Um, <laughs> have you seen these movies? I'm sure you have. No? Okay. Well, Avatar, if you've seen Avatar, uh, you know that there's this spirit of, what's it called, the Iwa? Anybody? Everyone's like, yeah, you've seen it if you know the name of the god of the planet. Uh, Iwa is the name of the god of this planet, uh, what, Pandora? Pandora? And, and like she or he, this god, is evident in like the trees, and the, 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 this planet, Pandora, is all connected. And so there's a connection between the animals and the, the plants and the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and all these things have the spirits. And it's like, yeah, the, the spirits are present in these things. Um, the other movie, Pocahontas, Native American belief is usually very animistic or pantheistic. Here's the difference, by the way. Uh, animist would say that there's lots of different spirits. Like the, the, the Native American beliefs maybe would be very animistic. The spirit of the sun, spirit of the tree. Um, Pocahontas in the movie, the cartoon talks to the tree and the tree says, listen to the spirit of the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and the trees. What do they tell you, Pocahontas? And so it's like individual spirits. That's animism. Pantheism would say all the spirits, everything is actually one and there's different faces of the, so the spirits are just different faces of things. It's all actually one. Animism is kind of like, no, there's individual deities. So that's the difference in case you were wondering. But anyways, that's the, um, that's animism to an extreme. That's, that's imminence to an extreme that, that God, and we as Christians could have this idea that, oh yeah, God really isn't all in control. I need to control everything. God isn't really, you know, having, you know, God isn't really above and beyond his creation, he's right here with me, and I could talk to him, and I could kind of control him. I can manipulate God. Like, God, if I pray to you, will you give me a new car? Um, God, if, I, if I'm really good for this, you know, this, this next couple months, um, would you do this or that? Like, somehow I can control you. Like, you're right here, and I can have this control over you. Which is not to say that he's not imminent in the way that we could pray to him and petition, ask him for things, but it's this idea that, like, we can control him, and we can um, know him as, as, like, something that is created. Like, um, anyways, I'm kind of rambling. So, here's the continuum again. Transcendence and eminence. The, the deists uh, on the left there would be an exaggeration of transcendence. The animists um, there on the, on the right would be an exaggeration of eminence. And so we as Christians are not animists, we're not deists, but we fully embrace transcendence and eminence of God. Cool? Cool. I mean, in some ways, it's like, duh. Um, yeah, God is big, but he's also near. But there's huge implications to that. And this is where I want to spend kind of the rest of the time um, talking. And we'll do something kind of cool with my friend David Leal in just a second here. Um, but so transcendence and eminence. We fully embrace God is big and that God is near. And I think so much of what we do, especially here at New Life Church, is we worship. Anybody like worshiping, singing? Yeah, me too. 
So usually like half of our services, if you go to the mill on a Friday night or you leave here and we all go to the, the big service together, you will sing for half of the time. And then the other half of the time, we'll listen to a sermon and proclaim God's word. But that first half of the time, is at least how we do it at New Life, we're worshiping. And I think each individual worship song that we sing can sometimes be put into a category. If we were going to put it on up here, um, as far as the worship song, does this worship song lean more towards imminence or does this worship song lead more towards transcendence? I worded it this way. Worship songs usually lean towards declaring God's greatness or his closeness to us. And so if you think about various worship songs that we've sung throughout the years, um, maybe your favorite worship song, if you think about your favorite worship song, think about the lyrics, think about the title. Is that song more talking about how awesome and great God is? Or is that song more talking about how God is near and he's close? Um, I'll put it one other way before we get right into it. The sweet quote of the day by Martin Luther um, that's on your notes says, Um, this. Martin Luther, the leader of the Reformation back in the 1500s, pretty big deal in church history. He said this. He said, next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language combined with the gift of song was given to man so that we could proclaim the word of God through music. And so it's pretty cool how a lot of our theology, a lot of what we believe is lyrics of songs. A lot of what we know about God, a lot of what we feel um, and, and believe about him has come in some way through the songs that we sing as a community of Christ. And so I have a list of songs. <clears throat> um, I have 10 songs. I asked Aaron Wagner, wherever he is, he put together a list. Of, he just told me the, the top 10 songs that we sang in 2012. And so I have a list of them, and I'm about to put that list up. And I think the list is really um, balanced because in my, I'm gonna, I'll show you the list um, and then we'll kind of discuss which, which songs would be more transcendent, which songs would be more imminent. But there's, so there's 10 songs. Three of them I thought were more transcendent. Three of them I thought were more imminent. And four of them I thought were very well balanced in and of themselves. So round of applause for Aaron Wagner. For, there he is. Yeah, picking great songs that, that represent both God's bigness and both God's nearness at the same time. Because if all we sang were songs like, our God is an awesome God. Da, 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 da. If that's all we sing, nothing wrong with that song. It's an old song, and so we laugh because it's like ancient, but it's only, I don't know how many years old it is, but it's not that old. But anyways, if all we sang were that, what, what would be our image of God as we worshiped? Transcendent. And if all we sang, if, anyone, if you've ever YouTubed uh, Jesus is a friend of mine, you need to do that this afternoon, just for fun. Um, but it's basically like, Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> and it's like these people with mustaches just rocking out. Um, it's pretty sweet. But if that's all you sang, is like, Jesus is a friend of mine songs, then it's like, yeah, Jesus is close. Jesus is a friend of mine. But then it's like, well, where's the bigness? Where's the awe and, and total respect of, of a being that cannot be comprehended by the word friend? Um, that cannot, you know, just singing about... So we need both. We need both transcendence and eminence. And so here is the song list you've all been thinking about. Um, I'm going to ask David Leal to come on up. Because um, some of these songs, you're like, yeah, I know some of them, but I don't know all of them. So I asked David, I'll get this mic ready. Uh, he's going to sing little portions of each one. Let's give it up for David Leal. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? So before he starts singing, so get a piece of paper real quick. 
and write down one through ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And the one through ten would represent these ten songs. And you'll put either a T for transcendence or an I for eminence um, for each one. And so I really want you to pick each one. However, I kind of said that some of the songs, I said that four of the songs are really hard to balance, but maybe you can make an argument either way. So, this I know. So, you, oh wait, oh, first of all, are we ready? You got, you got the 10? So, we'll go through it. You'll write down a T or an I. Uh, D- David will help it in case you don't know. So, <laughs> you cool? You good? <laughs> this is like, if you all want to sing along, please do. Here we go. All right, first one. Th- this I know. This I know. You are a great God. It's good. It's good. Do you know that one? So, first one, it's a, it's a freebie. What, what would you say? T or an I? T. I mean, you are a great God. I think that one's like pretty clearly. Okay, I'll, I won't give you the rest of the answer. So, Death in His Grave. This is the second most popular song that we've sung in 2012 with the mill. On Friday, a thief. On Sunday, a king. Lay down in grief, but awoke with the keys. Of hell on that day, the firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ lay death in his grave. All right, see, that's a good one. Um, so that, that one, I'll let you figure out if it's a T or an I. Number three, forever rain. Do you know that one? Oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Did you, you got enough of the song to think about, think through, is that, are we singing about how awesome he is, or are we singing more about if he's close or near? What's next? Uh, Number four, here in your presence. Should be pretty obvious just from the title, but. Here in your presence, we are undone. That's good. We got David Leal here. Do you guys know him? He's, he's in the choir. He's like, he's pretty. He's always singing something. So I just thought, if anybody could sing just randomly on. Including a Careless Whisper by George Michael. And this is, this is our song, man. Here we go. <laughs> we're not going to sing it. We were on a mission trip together and we like annoyed Daniel Grothy to the point of tears. But... Anyways, let's, let's move on. Anyway, moving on. Moving, moving on. right along. <laughs> Uh, great I am is right number five is that where we're at number five great I am hallelujah holy holy God almighty the great I am that's a good one it's a good one Uh, our God number six you know that one Mm -hmm. our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other what do you think? What'd you write down? T I don't say yet. We'll we'll go through these. Um, three more, <clears throat> right? No, four more. Stronger, right? Is next mm-hmm. number seven. You are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. It is written. Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. That's good. Number eight. Never once? Mm-hmm. You know that one? Never once did you ever walk away. <laughs> Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. It's good. Number eight, right? It was for freedom? Mm-hmm. No, wait. No, wait. Sorry. Nine. Wait, you just did never once. That was number eight. Yeah. 
Number nine is it was for freedom. And we will dance, dance the dust off the floor. And we will sing till our lungs give out. And we can't sing anymore. We will shout, let it out like a lion and roar. All right, last one. You know, you know. And then this one should be pretty obvious just from the title as well. But how he loves us. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Ladies and gentlemen, David Leal. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. I mean, who else could just come up here and sing acapella ten songs in a row? David Leal. So... Write down a T or an I for each one of these. Think about the title. Think through the chorus and lyrics. um, And then talk amongst yourselves for just uh, maybe a minute or two. Compare answers. Kind of come up with a table. Maybe argue back and forth. Like, oh, this lyric says this. So it's transcendence. This lyric says this. Eminence. Ready, get set, go. All right. So I visited uh, one table. And um, I think we're on the same page for a lot of these. Um, I think arguments can be made. And I think that's kind of the the hope of this exercise for you to at least begin thinking about, well, this lyric is more about God's awesomeness and bigness. And this lyric is saying God is right here. He's with us. So it's more imminent. Uh, Whereas other songs are more transcendent. So maybe we'll vote. um, And then I'll tell you what I had. I'll tell you what I had along the way. Um, This I know. How many of you said T? Okay. That's a that's, I think, the majority. That's what I put. This I know you are a great God, um, I think, is, is kind of the lyric that stands out to me in that song, that he's transcendent, he's big and above. Death in his grave was a hard one. Anybody else think it was a hard one? Who put both for this one? Or like, yeah, I think it was both. Lots of people put both. That's what I said. Um, I think you could see things like, uh, let's see, the lyric that says uh, that God laid death... The, the idea is that God laid death in its grave. And so that's like a pretty transcendent idea that God killed death, uh, that, which is kind of a pretty, I mean, this whole song is, out of all the songs, this one was the hardest. And I think in some ways it's, it's maybe the best because it's like, yeah, which one is it? Um, it's, we're singing here about how the man, Jesus Christ, and it's like, oh, the man, Jesus Christ, he came to earth and he laid death in his grave. And it's like, okay, that's imminence because it's God coming to earth as a human. But then it's like, well, what did he do? I don't know. So I put both on this one. This one, you can argue, um, you could have put a T or an I or a B for both, I guess, if you were doing that. Um, what about Forever Rain? How many of you put both on this one too? Anybody? Just a couple. But that's what I put. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So how many, so I'm interested. How many put, you put T on this one? Transcendent. How many put I? Oh, so this one's a more of an I. Okay. Forever Rain. Because so, it is about like, I'm running into your arms. So I can see why you put that. So I'm running into your arms. You're imminent. You're here. I can figuratively run into your arms because you're so close. I can see that. So you put an I. I put the T and the I just because I thought, well, forever rain, that's a very transcendent idea. And the name of the song is a very transcendent idea of raining forever. So that's why I put that. Uh, Here in your presence, lots of people probably put an I, right? How how many put an I? But then if you think about it, every verse is like here in your presence, but then it goes into like matchless, uh, wonderful, beautiful, matchless in everything. So it's like singing about his transcendence, na- transcendent nature. And then it says here in your presence. So it's almost this beautiful balance between like singing of the attributes of God. And then you're like here in your presence. So it's like, it's both. Anybody put both on this one? 
Yes, a few people. Sweet. Even Aaron Wagner. Sweet. So he's, he's, that's pretty sweet. We're on the same page. Um, and then the great I am, I thought this one was one of the most obvious T's up here. Transcendence. Does anybody, everybody put T, transcendent? Yeah, that's what I thought. Sweet. Um, and then, let's see, here in your presence, great I am. Our God, I put a T because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher. Just kind of like singing about his transcendence, right? Everybody put T's? Yeah. Cool. Uh, what was that? I keep losing my place for some reason. So we're on seven. We're on seven? Yeah. Duh. Uh, stronger. Um, this one is like, uh, Jesus, you are Lord of all. Very transcendent idea. You are stronger. Very, very transcendent idea. But then it says, sin is broken. You have saved me. And so I put, like, I, I couldn't really decide because it's like, he's awesome and great, but here he is saving us, like here. Did anybody put uh, both on this one, transcendent and imminent? Sweet. So we're on the page. We're the same page with lots of you. Uh, and then, what, number once, number eight. Um, I thought this one was one of the, uh, maybe one of the biggest imminent songs we sang. Anybody else put an eye for this one? Yeah, lots of us. The ideas are um, never once did we walk alone. Never once did you leave us alone. Like very imminent um, uh, lyrics there. And then it was for freedom you set me free. How many of you put an I here? How many of you put a T for this one? So I think the I's win. That's what I put. I put an I for that one. It was for freedom you set me free. So it's this idea that he is doing something for us. And then I thought how he loves us is also one of the most imminent songs we sing as well. Everybody put an I for this one. I'm sure you can make an argument for uh, the T, the transcendence, but I just thought how he loves us. I mean, that's the course. You, you sing that a bunch of times in a row and you, then you say like heaven and earth meet like a sloppy wet kiss. So it's like, that's very imminent. And it's like, wow, I don't know any other lyric that could be more like, yeah, God is here. He's making out with you. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, so very imminent. So, grade your papers, tournament, just kidding. You're not, you're not grading papers. Um, but I just thought about, I thought about this picture, one of my favorite paintings. I'll, I'll wrap up with this idea. Um, becoming, the more I look at it, the more it's becoming more of a favorite painting. Anybody recognize the author, or the, the painter of this painting? Anybody? Starts with an S, ends with a D. Yeah, Salvador Dali. Um, he painted a little while ago uh, within our century. And very, um, kind of, is he a cubist? Is it cubism? And, and real, like a realist cubist kind of painting. And so here's Jesus. Like, uh, it's, very, it's very interesting how the, like, where the perspective of this. Like, um, from one perspective, you're looking down at the cross. But then the other perspective, you're looking across, I think, the Sea of Galilee. And there's fishing boats. Um, and so it's this idea that, uh, I think transcendence and eminence are just both here in this picture that here's Jesus uh, as a man dying. And so you're like, well, that's, as a man dying, it's very imminent that he, if he, that's God on the cross, then that's very imminent. But then he's above all, and you could see the cross like above the sky. He's obviously above all in this painting and the very transcendent nature of who he is. But then it looks down upon like the Sea of Galilee and thoughts are brought back to, oh yeah, Jesus was like hanging out with fishermen and he lived and walked on this earth. And so um, I kind of like this painting for representing ideas of transcendence and imminence and one last idea before we close is this idea um, that we'll get to in, in another month when we talk about the problem of evil. But I just think about the, the, the problem of evil and transcendence and imminence, how when something bad happens, we, we, we still have to say, God is huge. 
And he's above all, and he's, he's in control, he's transcendent. And yet at the same time, he's here, he's with us. And as I look at this painting, I think, if you've ever experienced a bad time, which all of us have, we could ask, well, where was God when that bad thing happened? Well, he was overall, he was transcendent. But at the same time, he's not a God who is so far off that he hasn't suffered. He's not a God who's so far off that he doesn't know what it's like, not like to have a bad day. And so let's just, I guess we'll close with this. I think there's a lot of theology today and a lot of fun with the implications, but um, let's pray to our God who is both transcendent and eminent. And so God, we, we do proclaim those two things about you. We proclaim that you are a God who is above all and big. And we proclaim that you are here and you are with us at the same exact time, these, this transcendence and this eminence of your nature. God, we thank you for that. I know that you are no other way. You are who you are, God, and so we worship you. But we praise your name. We thank you that you're here. You're with us. You haven't gone away. We praise you that you're in control, that you, you love us, and you have all things working out. Um, so, Lord, we praise your holy name. We thank you. We worship you. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, go in peace. We'll see you next week if you go on a fall retreat. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.